Well, good morning. Thank you for tuning in on this uh, Sunday morning of March 29th. We endeavor to communicate a message of uh, from God's word of hope and uh, his love and care for all of us. I hope everyone is doing well as we adjust to these very unusual times. We look forward to the time that uh, we can get back to a sense of normalcy in all that we do. I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, I want to remind you of our need to stay in contact with each other. Uh, through this time. I, I, I have brought to mind our church directory as a great source uh, to remember who we are, how to get in touch with one another. I hope that you'll use that uh, and uh, for your source of contact and also for praying for one another. And then remember those families that have joined our church since uh, since the directory was, uh, was published. And uh, we will do well to stay in contact and touch with each other. I hope that every day you're able to try to do something uh, to make contact with someone. Then I want to remind you of the, uh, of the financial uh, aspect of our church. Giving and uh, financial responsibility of a Christian is a, is a spiritual thing. But there's also a very uh, real part of it in that uh, we still have bills to pay and obligations to uh, to, to meet. And so I want to encourage you to uh, continue and be faithful to give. Uh, through this past uh, uh, Sunday, we have received just a few cents short of $2,700 in, in offering and giving. We, we budget about $6,000 a week. I would encourage you to give in several ways. The best way to do it is to go online, www.dallasfirst.org, and click on the giving section. It is safe. It is secure. It will tell you everything that you need to know. There are other ways to, uh, to give beyond just that, but that will have information for you there as well. Should you choose to mail it in, know that the mail is received daily. Uh, it is uh, documented and, and recorded and uh, turned over to our church treasurer. Thank you for your faithfulness uh, to our church and to God in, in this time through uh, financial giving. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for allowing us to gather together, even in this format, Lord. God, we thank you that you have blessed us with technology, Lord, so that we can connect this way. And God, we just, we come to you right now. Lord, there's so many people right now that are hurting God, it's stressful. And Lord, we just ask that you would be with each one of us as we go through these strange times. Lord, as we sit in our homes, Lord, we know that you are there with us. And we just thank you for that. God, we ask that those that are sick, Lord, that you would just give them an extra blessing, God, that you would reach out and touch them, Lord. God, those that are in the hospital, Father, or in nursing homes, Lord, that you would just remind each one of us, Lord, that you are there with us in the midst of everything going on. And God, we thank you for your presence in our lives, for your spirit, God. Lord, and we thank you for being with us moment by moment. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 49. Now, from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. 
Immediately, one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God. Well, I wanted to have a short message for you on this uh, uh, on this Sunday, uh, a few Sundays before Easter. Uh, I've been uh, speaking on these past few Sundays of the sayings of Jesus, the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. Jesus hung on the cross six hours, and during that six hours, he is recorded as saying seven different things. And as we come to the end of uh, Jesus' life and uh, and, and approaching uh, his death, uh, the, the things that he says in a final context are so vitally important. And I want to look at one of those. Next to the last thing that he said today, Pastor Christian has already read uh, that passage of Scripture, but you'll know from the 27th chapter of Matthew, Jesus, uh, Jesus shouts uh, this phrase, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I remind you that Jesus has been hanging on the cross for almost six hours, from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. I remind you that Jesus has been uh, arrested and and tried and convicted. He has been beaten almost to death. Uh, The hands of the soldiers that have had him for about the past 15 hours have been brutal. He's been beaten about the face. His uh, beard has probably been torn out. He has had a crown of thorns jammed deep into his skull. Uh, He has had his back beaten to where there's probably very little flesh uh, at all. Uh, He has uh, gone without food and without any liquid for almost a full day. And now he is uh, suspended between heaven and earth on a rough piece of wood almost as if heaven does not uh, rege- does not receive him and heaven has not received him, almost as if he's rejected by both. And uh, the, uh, the toll, the physical toll is, has been great on Jesus. In the first three hours, there's almost a casualness around the cross. Uh, the Bible says that there are those Jewish leaders coming by, these uh, crucified men, and they are insulting Jesus and wagging their head and saying uh, a lot of blasphemous things. And Jesus speaks almost uh, uh, casually in that setting. He prays, first of all, that the Father would forgive them for what they're doing. An incredible sense of, of what uh, Christ-likeness really is. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, the thieves that are being crucified with Jesus also get in on the action and begin to hurl insults. But one of them realizes something unique is taking place and makes an unusual request to Jesus that today when Jesus comes into his kingdom, would he remember this thief on the cross and in a great act of grace and mercy. Jesus reminds him that today he will be with him. Uh, Jesus has looked out and saw his mother standing there and realizing as the oldest son with Joseph now deceased, and most believe that Jesus wants to take care of his mother and, and turns her over to the disciple whom he loved so well, uh, that being John, and makes sure that she's taken care of and John knows his responsibility. And now it's about noon, and all of a sudden the scene changes very dramatically All the gospel writers say that all of a sudden at noon, darkness falls over the land. It is not a time like we have on our evening time where daylight slowly fades into the evening time, but total darkness has suddenly come upon the scene. And all eyes, no doubt, are on Jesus. Uh, It is a darkness. It's probably akin to total darkness. And something unusual has happened. And the focus of Jesus even shifts. 
He is no longer concentrated on those around him or what people are doing to him. And he even engages himself in a conversation that seems to only between, be between he and God. It is so difficult for us to understand. But Jesus is now fulfilling the reason, fulfilling the reason that he came into this world. He is becoming sin on our behalf. It's difficult for us to understand how the load of sin, the weight of sin, the burden of sin, the, the guilt of sin is now placed upon Jesus. But since the Garden of Eden, sin came into the world and Jesus came into this world to be, our, our, to be made sin for us so that we might be able to be uh, alive in him and have a relationship and a future with God. And in a theological stance, we don't fully understand. Uh, Jesus is now assuming the weight of the sins of the world. Everything you've done, everything I've done that's wrong is now being laid upon the shoulders of Jesus. He is taking the penalty. He is taking the punishment and he is paying the price for that. And he is becoming a sacrifice for our sins. It's an interesting setting this Friday afternoon in just outside the city of Jerusalem, the time of Passover. And the Passover lamb is being prepared to be sacrificed in an annual event that, that is probably the most significant thing in the Jewish church world. And yet Jesus is becoming the sacrificial lamb that was slain on our behalf. The Bible said, one who knew no sin came to become sin for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ would die for us. One who knew no sin would, would accept the price and penalty for that sin. And it is horrific and it is difficult. It is the most difficult thing Jesus faced. It's probably the most significant thing in Scripture. Some commentators say that this moment, this moment really captures the essence of the love of God and the mission of Jesus to come into this world to provide a way uh, for people like you and I to be forgiven of our sins and free from our sins. Those who study these things say that likely the appearance of Jesus has even changed. He is no longer just a bruised and beaten and bloodied man hanging on a piece of uh, wood. He is almost as if a weight has been placed upon him. He is now struggling with the emotional context of the moment. And as he, the very Son of God, takes on the sin of the world, God does something that is so difficult for us to understand. God turns his back upon his only Son. It's quite a contrast the way Jesus and God have presented themselves in Scripture it's been just the three years that Jesus came out of the baptismal waters and God spoke in an audible voice and said, this is my son whom I love and now I'm well pleased. But now as Jesus becomes the sacrifice for our sins, God turns his back upon him and will not even look at him. And it causes the most violent reaction of Jesus on the cross as he screams out with all of his might, my God, why have you forsaken me? One who knew no sin, becomes sin uh, uh, so that he could uh, ultimately pay the penalty and uh, take the punishment and offer a way for those of us sinners to have freedom from sin and forgiveness and a connection with God. It had to be the greatest battle that Jesus faced. This had to be what Jesus was praying about in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, My Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But if there's not, I, I will still do your will. And although we get uh, very concerned and, and, and almost excited to see the other things happening around the cross, this statement and this scene is the most significant uh, fact and event in Scripture. Some have said this is the most historical moment in all of God's connection with, uh, with uh, mankind. As Jesus becomes a sacrificial lamb, he's in the final, really the final minutes of his life. He's just about to say that it's over, but not yet. He is shocked and concerned 
and uh, and 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 perhaps uh, so disappointed that God has turned His back on him. We find that the love between a parent and child is so significant, and we support our children and through thick and thin, through good and bad times, through mistakes, and through things that are not quite uh, right, but. How difficult it must have been for Jesus to realize that Almighty God, who sent him on a mission, who uh, promised to elevate him and would give him a name above all names, refuses to even look upon his face. Jesus becomes the sacrifice for our sins. And it only brought us a response from Jesus so significant. He just simply cries, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, I want to quickly, quickly give you the three lessons I believe this shows us just to remind us of what's going on and what it means for us today. I want to remind you, first of all, that God hates sin. Our world is very casual in its view of sin. We, we treat sin very lightly. And I'm, when I'm speaking of sin, I'm, I'm describing a, a, a violation of a known law of God. We know that this is wrong, but we do it anyway. That's what we believe sin to be, not a not something that just happens erroneously or not a, a mistake that, that we made that God would penalize for, but a, a deliberate action to do something we know we shouldn't do. God hates sin. And even though the world has changed and even though the world uses sin as a punchline and in a very light context, I want to remind you that God does not approve, accept uh, sin in any form or fashion. God hates sin. In fact, he says throughout Scripture, the soul that sinneth shall die. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, we, are, we are sinners in need of a great Savior. I want to remind you this day that God hates sin so much that when it became upon his only son, God could no longer look at him because of the sin that he bore. But I want to also remind you of the great news and the opposite of that is that God loves the sinner we sometimes forget that. We get so connected with what people have done and haven't done and the, and the things that have taken place in life. We forget the person. While God hates sin, God still loves the sinner. In fact, he loves us so much that that's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever might believe in him should not perish but may have everlasting life. And perhaps there's someone today that needs to be reminded of the fact that God loves you. Your family might have turned against you. Your friends might have forsaken you. You might have had difficulty on the job. You might think that no one cares, but I want to tell you there is one who cares for us in such a supreme way. We can't describe it in full context. God loves us. While he hates the sin, he loves the sinner. And because then finally what Jesus did on the cross, you and I have access to God and to have eternal life. And we celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We celebrate the sacrificial lamb that was slain. We celebrate what Jesus did to provide access uh, to, to God. And we have a hope and a future in him. We have an eternity with God, not only in the world to come and life to come, but we have a life abundantly right here in this world as we seek to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, receive his forgiveness, receive the love of God into our heart and life and begin to live faithfully for him. It was an interesting Friday afternoon in the city of Jerusalem when the sky turned dark and no one knew what was taking place. It was eerie. It was scary. It was uh, something that had never happened before. It was the real battle Jesus came to face and the real price he came to pay as he bore the sins for all of us. God sets the standards for life and for victory. 
And I'm thankful to know that he loved us so much that he was willing to send his son to be bruised, beaten, killed, and all that goes along with the, this whole process so that we might live, we might be saved, we might have the image of God restored in our life, the image that was lost in the Garden of Eden. We celebrate Jesus as our Savior today. As we go through this week, let us not forget the price Jesus paid. Let us not forget the words that he spoke that, uh, that, that brought such consternation to him and wondering why God had turned his back on him. Let us not forget the love of God that compelled his son to go and to be our sacrifice and our substitute to pay the penalty for our sins and uh, to remember that we are loved, we are valued, and we have a hope in a future with God and a life in heaven as we accept the sacrifice of Jesus. We move quickly towards the Easter, Easter time of celebration. We'll talk uh, next week about the finished work of Christ and what he said in the moments and seconds before he passed away and all that it meant and, uh, and all that God seeks to do for us today. I encourage you this week to read your Bible, to pray, to sing, to worship, however you want to do that, by yourself or with others. I encourage you to stay connected with each other of our fellowship some way communicating with them. I encourage you to trust God and realize he is on our side and Christ died for all of us. And uh, we, we will finish today in prayer. Our Father, I pray that as we try to convey the significant truth of scripture, the real essence of why Jesus came, that we have a clear understanding of, of the price he paid for all of us. That we realize that while you will not tolerate the sins of anyone's life, you have provided a way so that we can be free from uh, the, the bondage and the penalty and the price of sin. We praise the Savior who paid the price for us, a price we could not pay. And we praise you for a God that gives us a hope and a future. May we accept your sacrifice. May we live with confidence this week of knowing that you are ours and we are yours. And we praise the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior and King. In your name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today for this uh, telecast. I hope that you'll stay connected and uh, about all things related to Dallas First Church. The best way to do that is through our website and through our social media. And uh, stay strong, stay healthy, and stay connected.